Empire. Horse race ownership is getting inspired by a European model. Um, and with our yearlings that we've just purchased, we're in that dream phase, which is an amazing phase where, you know, any new members are learning about the breaking process, um, how important that is. They're getting videos of the first time a horse is back. What everyone is dreaming of, Royal Ashdash and, you know, Derby Day and all that right now. That's Johnny Murphy, the co-founder of Stride, who is bringing a tech-forward approach to syndicate ownership in the U.S., this is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Johnny Murphy is a former international rugby player, but his horse racing roots are deep, and now he's trying to expand the reach and engagement of his partners through the use of technology. Our guest this week is Johnny Murphy. He's the co-founder of Stride, which is a racehorse fractional investment business that started in Europe and is coming to the United States. Hey, Johnny, how are you? I'm uh, very good. Very good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Before we get into some horse racing, which I'm a big fan of, by the way, an investor in it, I want to talk about your background a little bit, which is as a world-class rugby player um, in Europe. Um, so take me through that for being a world-class rugby player to horse race enthusiast? Um, well, I suppose um, I grew up in a horse racing family. So my grandfather and father would have both been um, uh, owners. So uh, all the time when I was growing up, there was always kind of a couple of racehorses that were out of training or some brood mares at home. So um, I suppose I was... Um, I I was going racing in a buggy, so but then the sports that would be kind of um, around my area and I suppose my, my my county would have been rugby. So I started playing that at uh, seven, um, and then I moved up through the ranks through school, um, high school, I suppose the equivalent, and then I ended up moving over to uh, Leicester Tigers to play uh, to play professionally over there, uh, Leicester City. Um, so I played played there. For five years then I came back home to Ireland and played for another another five years so a 10-year uh, year career but um, unfortunately my knee got the best of me towards the end so uh, I had to I had to finish up early unfortunately. And then you went back into racing immediately because it was a family thing is that what happened? Um, yeah well it was I, I was always interested in it and I kind of dabbled my kind of dipped my toe in the water um, while I was still playing with kind of various people uh kind of syndicates and stuff and then from a social perspective i started setting up my own um my own syndicates when i retired in 2015 um and yeah it was just it was always an interest of me and i suppose having done something that you love as a job for you know 10 years um a desk job didn't necessarily um appeal that much <laughs> to me yeah. so i suppose i went down the uh, went down the, the the syndicate route to you know, which was another which is another uh, love of mine into the horse racing space. All right, so um, what level was your family at? What level were you at? Are are you racing at the highest levels of the Irish circuit, or what level were the the horses at? Um, so it would have been a mixture. Uh, my father would have been part of a, a, a syndicate that finished third in the 1000 guineas. So that would be kind of very high level. He also had a horse that ran in the Irish Grand National that unfortunately um, 
fell at the the second last fence when it was uh, when it was actually winning. So um, yeah, so the, so they would have been at a quite a high level, I suppose. Our model is 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 a bit different in the sense that um, you know we buy unraised yearlings and two year olds. Uh, put them on the track and then look to, to to sell them in the secondary market. So in Ireland, there's varying uh, maiden races based on your purchase price, and we would target them uh, very heavily. Our trainer, uh, Joseph O'Brien, world leading trainer. So um, we have a we have a good purchasing team, and uh, and I suppose we we're the next level. Some of our horses have gone on to Grade Two and. Uh, and so on after being purchased, but we look to um, to trade as uh, to trade as we go because that's um, it, it reduces the risk and, and gives you a really good chance of a of a return on your investment. Okay, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. I am in a syndicate in the United States. I have been for a number of years. I'm a big horse race enthusiast. Um, tell me about how this model differentiates itself. Which it sounds like in most of the cases with the syndicates, the lure of it is. You're going to buy into horses. You can go watch them race at various different venues. Everyone knows no one's going to get rich off of this, but it's the fun of being around the sport. It sounds like you're looking at this from a little different point of view. Um, yeah, we are. We're providing that service through our platform that we have, Stride. So everyone gets that that engaged and that, that consumer user experience that's you know, you can deliver within the horse racing space because it's so much fun. Um, and we deliver all the content from sales ring the whole way through to winner's enclosure via push notifications in our app. But our model is about spreading the risk across multiple horses, um, looking them, looking for them to run two or three times and then, uh, and then move them on. Um, but the prize money isn't as, uh, as great in Ireland as, as it is in America. So I suppose we're combining both um, consumer experience, fun, engagement, and then also um, the opportunity of a, of a of a profit towards the towards the end of the year. If you end up in any of these investment models with a horse that looks like it's got a very high ceiling, are you inclined not to sell it and keep it under the ownership? Um, yeah, so what we would do in that situation is we would discuss with with every member, and then myself and Joseph, as kind of the you know the leading people within the syndicate, we 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 would then make um, um we would then make make a decision on where we feel we were going to go. If we felt we had a a Derby horse or a Guineas horse or something of that high level, unless the offer was um, was fairly substantial, we would we would look to keep and and race on. Um, I suppose the opportunity for us is that the prize money in places like Hong Kong, Australia, America, which is where we're, you know, we're actively trading with, um, you know, you can purchase horses in between that 15 to 150,000 uh, and get a very, a very nice return on it because of the opportunity to run for, for significant prize money in those particularly in those three um, three regions is is very important to us so um, yeah we, we each each syndicate and each horse is done by a case by case basis and if we feel we have a, a group one horse we're obviously going to look to um, to keep that um, but you know you don't stumble it that is the dream we all look, yeah. we all search for that dream um, and with our yearlings that we've 
just purchased we're in that dream phase which is an amazing phase where you know any new members are learning about the breaking process um how important that is they're getting videos of the first time a horse is back what everyone is dreaming of royal ascot and you know derby day and all that right now um it's a, it's a it's a small chance that we get there but um, you know, you have to dream and you have to enjoy that, that, that journey that is there. But largely, and you're being a realist about this, you know, mo- most syndicates, you know, they're not selling that dream, but they're giving you the idea that the horses are going to race and you're going to watch them throughout the course of their career. Um, it sounds like yeah. you're trying to attract a very different customer here though. One that understands that you are kind of in more of a investment business flipping business of these horses than you are in learning about the horse and following its career. Is that, is that fair to say? Um, yeah, well, it's a mixture of both to be honest, because, you know, through the content and, and our uh, communications platform that we, we've, we've built over the last nine months, we deliver that educational experience. And I suppose that educational experience now and the enjoyment that you're getting um you know you're seeing their transition from a horse in london range to to riding to understanding all the training methods you're still building that real life connection with a horse because you get to name it you get to see it you know twice three times a month whenever you want to you get videos from like stable um you know so we're delivering that consumer experience but as you say we are realistic in what what we're in what we're trying to achieve here. We want to deliver that incredible consumer experience, but then also make sure that we keep our mem- we, we attract new members, new owners to the game. And the best way to do that is to, for them to see, uh, in our opinion, to see an exit at the end. And we've started, we started our first commercial syndicate two years ago. Um, we've had, we have o- over 30 members um, we've delivered over a thirty percent net profit over huh. the last two years, and we and we have held um, we have held every single member, and I would say probably sixty five percent of those knew about horse racing, and thirty five percent had no. It was a a bit of a high risk um, gamble, I suppose, if you want to say that they wanted to try something new. Um, you know, it was during COVID times, so um, you know the content that we were delivering to them. They all, they, they're now lifelong, they're going to be lifelong uh, racing fans. So that's, um, that's kind of the consumer experience that we're able to deliver through our, uh, through our app and platform. And I suppose I'd be a bit of a purist in terms of trying to grow the game and being, bring people outside who have no understanding of it. And I know from growing up in it, it's such a content-rich industry but the wider wider public and younger generations don't know anything about it. And yeah. I suppose we're trying to we're we're digitizing that whole consumer experience, and at the end, you know, we're we're also uh, keeping the money together and then delivering a, a a small bit of profit for the owners along the way. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. 
You've mentioned, though, obviously, to get into horse racing, there's major risk involved. These are not safe investments. Um, that's an incredible return that it's happening, but I assume you're not promising any anybody anything in terms of returns, right? Oh no, we're very clear on 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 our uh, very clear on our model from start to finish. Our transparency and honesty in terms of uh, everything from the fees to you know day to day running of the syndicate, very open, very transparent. We don't guarantee any um, uh, any any return. People that come in come in with their eyes wide open and they. They understand this is very high risk, um, but there is an element of, as you have just said, of a new experience, a new enjoyment, um, and you know they're willing to to take that risk because of the experience and the enjoyment they get out of the the whole process. Okay, all right, you are going to be taking this from. Ireland and Europe and that racing circuits, and you're going to do this in the United States. As you, I'm sure, mm. well know, um, racing is not racing everywhere. There are different rules mm. in this country. Um, most of the races are performed on dirt in this country as opposed to the turf in Europe. So how do you kind of think through the different styles and the different types of horses that you are going to try to find when you put into an investment package that's not in Europe? Well, I suppose there's um, a couple of things in that. Um, there's tax incentives for people getting involved from an American standpoint when you set up syndicates in in, in America through the uh, 100% appreciation uh, bonus that is there. And then also, it's about a team. I come from a team background uh, in rugby, so it's about who you surround yourself with. Um, and, you know, you have to learn around the breeding that, 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 that people... Um, you know that, that that people need um, to there's around the breeding special special specialities around the pages understand the difference in, in those so we have really good connections worldwide um, we have a partnership with with uh, the likes of Coolmore you know that w- we know three or four different high quality agents who are based in America that have a track record in sourcing um, you know sourcing high quality uh, stock. So we'll be using them. So it's it's essentially using a team model that I would have grown up my whole life uh, with and getting surrounding yourself with the best people and moving on from there. Do you think that there is a learning curve for your group to kind of get as ingrained as you are in the Irish racing system to learning the American racing system? Um, uh, yeah, there is. Uh, there is. I'm going through that process now. You know, we're... We're not going to be. We're not going to have syndicates in America, you know, running probably until 2024. But mm. my research started at the start of this year. I've been over to Kentucky multiple times. Um, I was in Saratoga this year. Um, so you know, the learning process has already started. Um, I've started developing relationships with a number of people. I suppose I'm quite lucky in the sense that there's a huge. Um, uh, Irish American um, cohort that are involved in the in in the American racing uh, sector. So I'm rel- I'm I'm using those all those Irish contacts um, that I that I would have to start that process. So hopefully we'll be up and running and we'll we'll have a a good bit of the learning uh, uh, done before we um, you know get our hand in the air and get something knocked down to us. Okay, um, you've mentioned a couple times the technology how you're keeping all of your members engaged. Can you kind of take us through? how you think about the market and engagement with the members so that they can stay engaged with what their investment is. 
I think it's really important uh, that, you know, horse racing in general starts to move towards technology, you know, even around kind of times, you know, training times, um, you know, the training centers in America, if they had kind of GPS stuff. As, as we move on, the data that is available to people um, and the content that is available to people from a horse racing standpoint is is world class. And it's actually stuff that has been around the world for hundreds of years, but it's generally only people in the in the horse you know horse industry that know about it. That was a big thing that got me early was when I started setting up syndicates was bringing people that didn't know anything about horse racing into training yards. They thought a horse just ran up and down the gallops a couple of times. You threw a saddle on it, it arrived to the racetrack, it ran up and down, and if it won, it won, if it didn't, it didn't. But they had no understanding of the actual process that went went through it, so that the horse went through. And coming from a professional sports background, they're highly tuned athletes. That's what, what they are, and each and every one has a personality. So we we will, you know, you'll be able to understand through our communications and our app, understand the reason for its purchase and price, um, go the whole way through the pro- the training process via horses in lunging range, via it in leading range, the backing process to so the first time it's actually being ridden out of the stable um, in the lunging arena, um, how a horse is is shod, for instance. You know, there's a the, how important a dentist is. People, some people that I would speak to didn't even realize there was such thing as an equine dentist. <laughs> and they now now understand how, how important the dentist is in terms of the whole process. So um, it's to be able to deliver that in a, uh, a sharp and slick way um, at the touch of a finger. So we've built a very um, uh, simple, clear uh, communications app that has everything within it. So you can voice notes, uh, videos, pictures. Uh, we have basically a WhatsApp within the within the platform for group communications. So no one needs to be outside of our app. You're able to watch the races live. Um, you know, you, you, you have the full experience at the touch of a finger. And I think that's really important that horse racing starts to realize that not only are we a sport, but we're also an entertainment industry to an extent. And we have to start entertaining people. We have to start pushing the content that we have out to the wider audience and trying to bring a new generation of people uh, into the ownership space. And a lot of that is done. Most people are on their phones 50, 60% of the, uh, of the day. So to be able to do that um, in a clear and and, and uh, smart, slick way, uh, I think is really important to, to having a communications app like ours. You got the, the rights to show the races that your horses are in? Like that's not hard to acquire? Um, yeah, well, we have... Um, we it, that now this, that's for for Ireland. We're looking into moving. Uh, when we move into America, we, we're looking to uh, to do that. But we have um, a couple of uh, advisors on our uh, on our advisory board. Paddy Power from Fan Jewel. Uh, we're speaking to other um, other companies in America at the moment about those rights. So we'll be able we're able to use the connections and the advisories we have to. To open those doors but yeah we have that in 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 ireland um in england and ireland 
and that's something that when we when we do launch we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to deliver that uh, to the people through the app uh, in 2000, late 2023, early 2024. It's really interesting. Johnny Murphy is the, is the co-founder of Stride. Thank you so much for joining us. That's great. Thank you very much for having us. On the next Future Sport Podcast, player tracking at soccer's highest level. When we look at players, we focus at different stages of development, right? It's not the same if you are a seven-year-old that has never touched a football uh, versus versus uh, an, an elite player. However, there are certain things that are common, uh, you know, uh, and we have a certain philosophy on how you play football, which is what we call beautiful football. That's Georgina Busquet, Manchester City's Managing Director of Football Education, who discusses their partnership with Playermaker, where they hope to advance the metrics of world-class soccer players. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.